hearing God's word is of uh, great importance here uh, for, his, for the church because faith comes uh, from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Paul says that in Romans 10, 17. There are Bibles in our pews for anyone uh, without one. Um, if you would like to, feel free to read along. I will read what's on page 941 in our pew Bibles, Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 28. Hear now the word of the Lord. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. I'll pray for us. Our gracious Father, uh, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for calling your people to gather the first day of the week, the best day of the week, greatest day of the week because Lord, Lord your son who was dead three days rose again today we honor your name and we hope to hear more about the great salvation you have in store for those who believe in Christ Lord hide me now um, preach mightily through my insufficient lips I pray in Jesus' name Amen um, good morning. Good morning. Annyeong haseyo. Hola. Three languages. Um, welcome to All Saints. As Paul wrote in um, Romans uh, 15, welcome to All Saints as Christ welcomed us um, for the glory of Christ. Paul is the author of this letter. He wrote to the Christian churches in Rome, probably from where he was. He was in Corinth on his third missionary journey. The theme of the letter to the Romans is that God has revealed or displayed his righteousness in the cross of Jesus Christ. And so in the cross of Jesus on which he died, God judged sin and at the same time revealed his saving mercy 
And so when we get to Romans 3 at this point in Paul's letter, I hope we'll see the three things, uh, the three things I'd like to point out. First, who the direct objects of God's righteousness are. Second, a reminder for those direct objects. And thirdly, the gospel is humanizing. First, who are the direct objects of God's righteousness? If we have our Bibles open, it tells us in verse 21, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Those two words there, has been, is in the passive mood. Although the law and the prophets bear wing, that word there, bear witness to it, is also used passively. Like when we play the long game to convince our older peers, our older brothers and older sisters to have them change their minds, we might say, men, woman, that has been the way. Yes, I get that it's still going on. What's happened is still happening. See how there's a passive tone to this. But now, it's different. The righteousness of God now is displayed through faith in Christ Jesus for all who believe. There's a little bit of a sassiness there that snags us, like, oh yeah? Yeah, you're telling me? Paul writes the second half of verse 21, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. When we look at that in the Greek, the mood that is used that Paul uses is the accusative mood. Yeah, you, you are going to the store. The direct objects of God's righteousness now are all who you believed, believe and will believe, encompassing all believers in Christ Jesus. A man who believes in Jesus then holds the same status of Jesus. It's an objective faith in Christ who is our object. Don't take this the wrong way and go the distance of calling people to have the faith of Jesus, which would make it subjective. You, the accusatory, you, he or she, whose faith is in Christ Jesus, is an heir of God, a co-heir with Christ. Now go ahead, look to your neighbor, your brothers and sisters, your fellow brothers and sisters, call them the righteousnesses of God. That is pulled out from 1 Corinthians 5. For us who are sitting in this room who believe in Jesus Christ, understand then that you and I are accused. Paul uses the accusative mood here. He is accusing us who believe of believing accused of sharing the same status as Christ. It is believing in him that sets us apart. It is having faith in him, our mediator. We have now access to a righteous and holy God. 
and we are accused of that. And so is he. Jesus himself is also the direct object, accused, because now we call God our Father. It is believing in Jesus. The shame that is too difficult to share or guilt that is too dark to tell others that we are accused of being mentally sick or mentally weak. We're accused as Jesus sympathizes with us in our worst sufferings and he bears our hardest pains. We're accused of being soft. It is believing in Jesus, our great high priest, who prays without ceasing on our behalf. We're accused as reliant, dependent, stage five clingers. It is because he, Jesus, and I, and those of us who believe in him, are direct objects of God's righteousness. Jesus died for those only who believe in him as faith is the instrument that we hold. For those who don't believe, you are not accused. You are objects of his wrath because Jesus has satisfied completely God's wrath. He and those who believe in him only are the direct objects of God's righteousness, which is the first point. Secondly, the God's righteousness reminds us of something. Paul tells us here at the end of verse 22, for there is no distinction. Verse 23, he begins by telling us, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What is sin? I don't know why I'm smiling. Sin, because we are memorizing the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Sin is any want of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. 1 John 3, 4 defines sin as lawlessness. I once met a person who rejected Jesus as Lord and Savior because to this person, the death of Jesus was not impressive. Meaning, this person shared with me that he or she could die on the cross if it meant saving the sins of all people in the world. This person felt and desired recognition for kindness or of kindness. And while I understand why this is an actual desire, the reality is that Jesus didn't die on the cross for every person in the world. In fact, that might have been actually easier if he did. But Jesus died for the elect, the sinners, like myself and all who believe. But not for every sinner in the history of mankind, like this person who rejected God's act of sending forward Jesus as a propitiation. We can't stand we can't meet our neighbors and lie to our non-believing friends and say that Jesus died for them. It isn't true. So often we are told to meet people where they are, which I agree, but not at the expense of losing the gospel. I have lost many friends this way. 
Paul says here, all have sinned and fall short. It sounds like an accusation, but it isn't. Paul is not writing in or with the accusative mood. Paul is actually indicating here that we actively break God's law in our thinking, in our actions, and in our words. Then on top of that, like, that's not enough. He tells us that we fall short of God's glory. So we actively sin against God, and now we are passively falling short of God's glory. Because falling short of anything is an action that's done to us. We are not accused of being sinners, nor is Jesus being accused of being a sinner, because God is not unrighteous. God is righteous. It is us who trespass actively and passively. In Baltimore, uh, the year January 2020, many store owners posted this sign on their front doors. It's, it, this is what it read. Do not enter with a mask or a hoodie. If so, you are now trespassing. We will call 911. Almost most of the stores in Baltimore had that sign up on their stores. A few months later, in the, in the month of March of 2020, you know what happened? Every sign came down and new ones went up. I took a picture of it on my phone. No mask, no service. God's righteousness reminds us of who we were. We sinned in Adam and fell with Adam in his first transgression. However, if death comes through Adam, much more will have the grace of God and this free gift, as Paul promises, as the Word of God promises. When we are justified, this is cool, God acts on us and he counts us as righteous in his sight by faith. Justification is like falling short of the glory of God in that it is something done to us, in that we are passive when being saved as we're falling off of a cliff. We are passive in falling short. We are passive in being saved. Thus, Paul says, this is why it is a gift of God, the redemption through Christ. Now, if anyone here has any aversions to slot machines or Chuck E. Cheese's, another word for redemption is deliverance. Maybe DoorDash, Grubhub, Uber Eats reminds us of deliverance. The food from the restaurant is delivered to us. We are delivered out of eternal condemnation. Through faith in Christ Jesus, he is our narrow door, dash, delivery driver. <laughs> Jesus is our redeemer. So we are delivered, like Adam and Eve, out of the Garden of Eden because God covered their nakedness and hides their sin. We too, in Christ, are today and forevermore not condemned. Our sins are hidden. Why? Because in verse 25, whom God 
it says here, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood. The other translation, the wooden, this is as wooden as it gets, but we could look at the words whom God put forward as God designed beforehand. He had to have designed something beforehand to put him forward. So he designed something beforehand, purposely, the blood of Jesus to be the propitiation. And if we don't know what propitiation means, it means to cover someone's wrongs and turn away the anger of the offended party. Paul is here using the accusative mood again. And the accusative mood he uses for the words, the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is accused of covering our sin. Who? The accused of believing, the accused Jesus, and this is how God demonstrated his righteousness. Paul writes accusatively also here in verse 25, God. The word God here is in the accusative mood. I like how Paul groups all who are accused. God here is a father who is accused of overlooking the former sins of his children. So far, the group of the accused are God the Father, Jesus' Son, his blood, and us who believe in him. A couple of years ago when uh, we found out that we were having our daughter, Emma, um, I decided to grow my hair out. Um, I didn't want our daughter, Emma, to have more hair than me. Um, I had been shaved uh, to the skin for about 10 years. Uh, so with this decision being made, I reached out to a doctor, cosmetics. She told me about a procedure called the PRP, and I forget what it stands for. What they did was pull blood out of my arm, and they shook it up in a machine to separate the red cells and the white cells. And they collected the white cells in another, they put it in another vial, they stuck a little needle on it, and once a month for three months, for about five minutes, they, I sat on a chair and they stuck the needle into, my, into the crown of my head. The white cells have apparently a regenerative power in them. And that's what makes my hair grow back. I think I'm tied with Emma, the length. And I'm, I'm honestly, I'm not sure if it's working, but I share this story to illustrate what it looks like to trust in blood. I am trusting in the white blood cells of my own blood. They better work. We are trusting in the blood of Jesus for our salvation. He put it forward as a propitiation. His blood covers our sins from God's wrath. That's better than any white blood cell out there. And this concludes the second point. As a reminder of God's righteousness. Third and lastly, I believe Paul wants us to see 
that the gospel of Jesus truly humanizes us. In verse 26, Paul goes on to remind us that God is a shower. He shows his righteousness. He is a demonstrator of his righteousness. He is, what we say, he's our show-off. He presently, presently is proving himself that he is both just, he is fair, and he is the justifier of the man and woman, boy and girl, who has faith in Christ. Our God, who declares a sinner righteous now, is also the one who will declare the same sinner righteous later when he returns to judge the living and the dead. Amen? And so here Paul interrogates the Christians in Rome. Remember, he is writing the letter. He is asking, verse 27, then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. It's shut out, he answers. Why does Paul say that the boasting is not to be included? Why is it excluded? I believe because he wants the gospel message that he preached to humanize us, and therefore he is protecting us from teachers who taught a different gospel message. What is a different message? What is a different gospel? Paul in the book of in the in the letter in Galatians chapter 2 verse 4 mentions the Judaizers who added more to what the gospel needs to just be. Men and women in today's day and age are basically trapped in the same cycle they're in. It's just that they have a new title. He or she will need to earn his or her own right standing before God. God, that's the word we're using. We just change the title from employer to money to clients to sex to master. We just changed it to God. And there were teachers, false teachers, trying to get people to earn this man's, whoever they're worshiping, his approval by their own merits. And that's why Paul is saying boasting is excluded. Nothing can save us from our sins except faith in Christ alone. But there are so many now trying to help people cover their own mortal sins and shortcomings by almsgiving or practicing more rituals, making them climb out of their own holes, depriving them of something and reaching on their tippy toes to enter into the state of grace. I went on my tippy toes. We are just, the, the false gospels are dehumanizing people all over again. We're trying to get them to commit works that satisfy God's anger when it's already finished. We're making them commit work that is meritorious. We're telling them that, yes, God is required because he's a fair God. He will reward your grand efforts. So we're doing the work again. When we meet so many men and women boasting in their faith and we're tying it to their relationship with this strange news, this weird father, this is, this is sad news. And so the good news is that it humanizes us. The gospel really makes us human again. I am declared righteous 
By God, the moment I put my trust in Jesus, because when I put my faith in Jesus, God assigned, he transferred, he imputed the perfect righteousness of his son to my account. Amen? When I was nine, all of my sins were imputed to him. And, and also, his righteousness was imputed to me. And so faith is the only instrument connecting me to Jesus. I don't know what, what this motion is. Uh, he connects the, I'm going to just keep doing it, but it's the only instrument connecting me to Jesus, his benefits of redemption, and his righteousness. What does the word imputation mean? I know that's a word I did not grow up uh, um, understanding in the pews. Let me tell us what the word computation means first. Because we know what computation means. Computing means to calculate. It means that we can solve our problems by computing something, by calculating all of our, you know, solving our problems by computation. We get calculative in trying to make up to God our wrongs and our problems by calculating. And the last thing on our minds is to impute them to God, is to seek his imputation. And what imputation means is to credit to a person or a cause. So God then finished computing. He finished calculating and his math, he did the math, he saw that that there was a God-sized problem, required a God-sized answer, so by grace, God acted justly by covering all of our sins and accepting us as righteous in his sight and imputing Christ's righteousness, Christ, his perfect record by faith alone, by receiving him by faith And so, children, in this room, this is what our parents are praying that we would trust, to trust in the perfect record of Christ. Parents, this is what our children want you to trust, to be rooted and abide in Christ. Faith in Jesus is the title. Faith in Jesus is required for justification is to be justified, I think, is the title. Is required. I know there's is and to be. So bad. Faith is required for our justification so that we can enjoy and share the same relationship Jesus has with his Father. Christ has, with his Father, now or years down the road, Right? the the same relationship that Christ has with his Father, not later, not years down the road, but now. But now. When Paul says in verse 27 that boasting is excluded by the law of faith, he goes on to explain in verse 28 that word there, we're going to go to our last accusative mood word, okay? In verse 28, For we hold that one. You know that word one is justified? That word one is also written in the accusative mood. Adding on to the group of accused. 
God, his son Jesus, his blood, all believers in Christ, the one who is justified by faith. It's why God's righteousness humanizes us. We no longer have to keep on thinking that there's like some great thing that we can do to earn his salvation. He's given it to us by an act of free grace. To conclude, about three weeks ago, on October 4th, the All Saints interns met with their beloved supervisor at Buddy's for their weekly meeting. And in the middle of the meeting, our phones beeped. Did yours? Yeah? The Federal Emergency Management Agency and the Federal Communications Commission conducted a nationwide test of the emergency alert systems. Guys, the, this, the gospel calls, right? Everyone got that buzz, unless, you're, unless you wanted to trick them and turn your phones off. But this is, the gospel calls all of us to repent for our sins. And it calls for all of us to trust in Jesus alone from now on. Or just we're going to continue to live in sin and continue to reject him. But now that we have a better understanding that the one, the believer in Jesus, are the direct objects of God's righteousness, two, that God's righteousness reminds us of who we once were, and three, God's righteousness will humanize us again. Aren't all of those good? Aren't all those points good? Then, if it's good, be accused. Sit here now and be accused. God's righteousness is calling you and I to place our trust in the blood of his son, Christ alone. Amen? Let's pray. Let's pray. Sometimes, God, uh, we forget that we are delivered and that we grumble to go back to things that we were not even accused, being accused of. God, I pray that the hearts of your people will be hearing, will be loud and clear the gospel being preached through Paul and that, Lord, you are good. You are a, a justifier. You are just. So, Lord, um, we thank you for this, the plan that you had beforehand prepared and put forward to have Jesus take all on the wrath, to drink the cup of anger, to turn away your anger towards us. Be with us on this Lord's Day and call, and, and call your people to call your name. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.